This episode is brought to you by Blueprint Renovate Program, the program designed to create space in your firm to cultivate mindset change through what you do every day. Visit blueprinthq.com.au slash contact to start the conversation. Welcome to the In Demand Accountant. I'm your host, Sam Dean, and I'm excited to have you here to explore efficient and effective frameworks for implementation of change so we can stay in demand, build business mastery, and meet any kind of disruption that comes to us. All notes and links can be found at blueprinthq.com.au forward slash podcasts. Enjoy the show and get curious on what we can do as an industry going forward. Hi, and welcome to the first interview in the In Demand Accountant series. Here I talk with Amanda Kennefake, the CEO of Power Tynan, a super progressive and in-demand accounting firm based in my hometown of Toowoomba, just on the border of southeast Queensland. You may notice a a bit of a drop in the sound quality um, from both Amanda and myself. We both were having a bit of technical. Amanda with the mobile coverage in Toowoomba and me with the wildlife of cockatoos and the dog. Hashtag joy of working from home in country Queensland. Anyhow, sit back and enjoy. This episode is brought to you by our accelerated program, which is an efficient and effective implementation program around growth and change to accountants who want to become in demand as central advisors. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to In Demand Accountant with Sam Dean. It's my absolute pleasure today to have Amanda Kennefake from Power Tynan. She's the CEO of Power Tynan, a very well and well-known firm in the Toowoomba Darling Downs regions with offices in Toowoomba and Stanthorpe. I've known Amanda for a few years now. We actually ran in the same area when I was partner at a big firm in Toowoomba, which we actually never met, but I've had the fortune to meet Amanda over the last couple of years. She's very well known in the industry um, as a speaker and a thought leader. And she's also, I've just recently found out the chair of the USQ Student Guild, which is interesting because USQ is one of the biggest um, provider of online education in Australia. So um, we'd be super excited to get her feedback on that. So welcome, Amanda to the podcast. So how I'd like to start off is can you just give us a quick overview of yourself and a little bit about your firm and, and your history and how you come to be an in-demand accountant right at the moment? Uh, thanks, Sam. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. A little bit about me to start with. I've, I'm from out, I guess, regional Queensland out towards uh, Roma in a small town called Mitchell and um, went to university at USQ in Toowoomba and worked during um, university at local council, so kind of got that government background in there as well, which sometimes positive. Um, and then I've basically been at Power Tyne and since I left university in our Stanthorpe office and then in the last probably six years, five years, moved to Toowoomba and I've been CEO for nearly three years now of Power Tyne. And so Power Tyne is quite a... I guess a diverse business. There's about 60 uh, team members all up and a number of different services. We've got all the traditional accounting, what you'd expect from an accounting firm in relation to, you know, the tax compliance area, the advisory area, the uh, self-managed super fund admin. We do 
also financial planning, leasing and finance, bookkeeping, um, like I said, all a lot of the traditional stuff that you'd expect of a firm our size to have. Something that we are very proud of, however, is we've also got a offshoot at our, of our business that does a lot around data analytics and business analytics and, and helping uh, businesses with their efficiencies and really helping them, I guess, achieve help achieve their goals and by using and helping them with the technology that they may not be able to, um, you know, access themselves and being able to really look at what's going on in their business. So we don't, we try not to just be that traditional, uh, I guess, do the, the tax planning conversations. It's more like how can we help all of our clients achieve their goals, stay relevant to their clients' industry and their business so that we are always constantly challenging and helping them. Yeah, and really looking after our clients from a whole holistic purpose. And uh, to be honest, that's probably one of the ways I met Sam was because um, of the wide network that we've got, uh, either myself or other people at Powhatan, and because we try to make sure when we can't do it ourselves, we have trusted people that we can refer our clients and um, friends onto that can help them in, in the areas that they need. So that's probably a fair bit about Powhatan and, and a little bit about me. Um, when I started at Powhatan and straight out of university, probably barely knew the difference of a debit of and a credit, but worked my way up through the business in many and varied roles over the business. I have come from graduate accountant through to senior accountant, also looking after and doing the office and practice management and the internal finance of the business. I've tried to steer clear of HR and IT, but every now and then I get drug into both of those areas. And yeah, and then like I said, about three years ago, became CEO of the group, which is was a great a great move for me and I really would like to thank the, you know, the whole, I guess, organisation for backing me in that that role. I was yeah. pretty impressed that, you know, that, yeah, I got to that at such a young, like, I was, you know, I was 40 and, and was running the firm as a CEO for that, such a, a large firm. Yeah, I must admit when I heard that, I, th- I, I was um, really impressed too. It's such a forward-thinking thing to do. I'd like to actually drill down a little bit the challenges of perhaps running a business the size of Palatine because it's a you know a quite a large style of business and then combining the CEO mindset if you like and, and pulling together the business which is a you know sometimes can be a full-time role in itself with then the um the challenges of actually you know the client advice and stuff like that. Do you balance that or you full-time CEO and, and come off the tools? You know, how do you actually work that? Um I try to balance it. I'm I have been predominantly off the tools as such, but I do, my passion, I suppose, is really around that, um, helping, I guess, businesses really succeed and, and help the individuals involved in those businesses achieve their business and personal goals. So I do probably spend more time with clients and clients that I've known for a long time around that advisory space and really probably helping them achieve goals and, and doing that. I'm, I wouldn't, say I would be the best person to talk to around the taxation and stuff like that. However, I still, yeah, I still have a little bit to do with that and also superannuation as I am an authorised representative for that as well. So I spend half my time keeping up to date with all the legislation changes, to be quite honest. Um, But (laughs) all of the, my my passion is really, I guess, that, yeah, the strategy and what's going forward. And and luckily uh, for me, I get to do that as CEO of Powhatan. And so, I probably break my week up and I would say basically 50% of my time would be mm-hmm. spent on the CEO role and trying to ensure that all of the different service offerings, which are quite diverse, I guess, in some ways and have different 
uh, you know, you need to pull different levers and they've got different, I guess, yeah, different things and different benchmarks and the way oper- they operate, you know, the leasing and finance uh, service offering is obviously completely different in some ways to the accounting and stuff like that. So being able to catch up with all the um, managers of those service offerings and really trying to pull it all together to ensure that as a whole we're looking after our clients. Our clients are being looked after well by our team that we look after quite well and that, yeah, it all comes together to help the business, I guess, achieve our strategic intent and objectives and KPIs off the back of that. Fantastic. I'd just like to drill a little bit. I'm, I know that when we start working with firms and then when, you know, after the first year or two, you know, looking at bringing in, and I know this was a challenge in a couple of the businesses that I've owned, you know, we go in with the accounting model, if you like, in our minds and what we measure for success in those, which are, you know, very traditional and foundational around productivity and all kind of those lag ones. But then, you know, you've you've mentioned that you have the different models such as, you know, financial planning, you know, mortgage and insurance and stuff like that, which are completely different models and um, measurements. How do you, um, do you have any tips for people on shifting your mindset on different measurements and not just numbers and KPIs, but also then perhaps qualitative measurements around performances and dare I say, you know, some of the lead generations in actually developing the sales fronts as well and engagement. I know it's a lot, you know, people struggle with this and try to measure on on the old style stuff. So at Power Time and how do you do that? Um, I think like obviously I, I think we do have some of the lag indicators in there, you know, like we still do keep an eye on, I guess, productivity and stuff like that. But I guess having a, the wide diversity of the different service offerings helps keep your mind a little bit open to the possibilities of looking at different models and bringing them in. So, for example, you know, like leasing and finance or financial planning, like they're very much a, a lead generator type model and marketing model. So how do you you bring that, I guess, how do you get the sales in those those, those instances up front, which would be very different from an ordinary accounting mindset. So you can bring some of those um, metrics back into that more traditional services as well. I think having that overarching strategic intent and objectives, you know, what you're trying to achieve and the how you're trying to achieve it and how you measure it kind of floating down through, when you start linking all that together, you've got to think proactively and not looking in the rear view mirror or you're never going to achieve those goals either or you won't know if you've achieved them until it's too late because you're only going to know by looking at lead uh, lag indicators, not the lead indicators. So I think you just got to have a little bit of an open mind and and I sort of, the team probably do get quite annoyed with me, but I swap and change of what our focus is a lot of the time too in different quarters to to really, um, I guess, get them their mindset shifting and getting used to a bit of, I guess, thoughts around our change and, and what they need to be looking at and really operating themselves holistically to meet some of those goals. Because if you focus too much, you're like, you know, traditionally accounting firm, if you only focus on productive time, I'll nearly guarantee you your write-ups will be through the roof because people will be mm-hmm. putting time down on their timesheets just to meet that productive time. Like, so if yeah. you put too much focus on one of the KPIs, I think that's when you've got the potential to really lose it on others. So I think you've got to have that continual shift and, and know what happens if you pull a certain lever, what it does to all of the other KPIs yeah. out there. We are accountants. So let's get a little bit... Um 
pragmatic with the measurements. So I always find that the one of the reasons, of course, we do do productivity, and then obviously the the next one of that's the efficiency, you know, linked to write off because sometimes they're the only things that we can measure. So how yeah. do you you guys then go forward and measure some of the more challenging lead indications around? You know, maybe sales generation or number of times you speak to clients or you know whatever those kpis may be how do you measure those so we actually um utilize a program called ever perform mm -hmm. which is a great program if anyone wants to get out there and have a look at it or give me a call i can do an intro to the guys for you but with that you can really you can link it back to your software and where you keep a lot of those you know historical measurements like productivity and and whip but you can do pulses on how people are feeling whether they're on task, whether they can, you know, re, I guess, engage with if they get interrupted, how quickly do they get back their focus back? A whole raft of different questions that we pulse every fortnight in a, like there's five pulses and so every five weeks or every 10 weeks, sorry, they're redone again and so you kind of get to see the trend. And over the years, like we've been doing that for probably three years or so now, you can actually nearly predict when someone's not going to be as productive, say, as they were, because you can see that they're, they're trending on certain things are going down or you can see that week they might say, I don't even know what my targets are or what I need to achieve this week. So you can get in there and help that person one-on-one -on -one with directly what they need to help them to be able to, I guess, re-engage or pick up where they're at so they're not flowering around for two months before someone notices they're not actually being productive or don't know what they're doing. So it's more some of those... I guess the softer types yeah. questions that we ask that actually help us talk with our team members on where they need to, what are the areas that we can help them with that actually helps pick up that the way they uh, keep in touch with clients or keep in touch with other team members even or be able to, you know, get the work ins and outs and all that sort of stuff. So those pulses cap coupled with what we have um, in relation to some of those more traditional uh, metrics actually are more gold like you sort of connect the engagement and the performance together and if you can connect the people and how they're feeling and what they're doing and overarch that over your numbers like you just got the complete picture like you can see what's going on we also track touch points from not only everyone's got to at least speak to the clients once a quarter and mark that in the timesheet and, and we pull a recording out from that and we track that as well like what's the level of engagement that we're having just as a yeah. touch point. And it's not to ring them up and say, hey, it's bass time. It's actually to ring them up for absolutely no reason, just to say hello. But we also track the number of times, you know, like we invoice or the number of times we access different things so that we we know that people can't, I guess, put on their, yeah, I talked to all my clients last month and they didn't. Like we actually try and measure a lot of the, the movement that happens in the firm of how many times people are contacted or of the touch points that they have we also have i guess the way we engage with our clients which i think's moved over time but very much so in power time and like we don't it's if you're a client of power time and you're a client you're not a client of one of the partners or anything like that you're a client of the firm and you should have at least probably four or five different touch points within the business depending on what what areas you know need and what need you need help with so we also try and track the level of engagement and service and what service offerings our clients are utilising and the touch points there, which also that helps to know that 
the clients are being spoken to on a regular basis about the different things that we do to really help and make sure that the clients are achieving what they want to achieve and we're there, you know, helping them on that journey. So they're sort of some of the, I guess, the metrics that we use that might be a little bit different and not just taken on gut feel. We actually do track some of those. So, I mean, from what I'm hearing there, there's there's two points I would like to just highlight for everybody. One is that, you know, with the staff and particularly the staff engagement, you're actually getting very much in front of that. So you're seeing a problem starting to happen by a pattern, if you like. Would that be right Correct. with those purposes? Yeah, so um, you can sort of see and, you know, like I might always operate at 80% because if I, you know, if it's a five-star rating, I might only, I'll always put fours. So all yeah. of a sudden if my ratings drop from four stars down to three stars, my manager would come and go, hey, what's going on here? Do you need a hand? Like it's more, yeah, that proactive look. If mm -hmm. I'm always operating at, you know, five stars and I drop down to three, it's probably more, holy crap, something's being missed in between. If, you know, like it, it, where other people might always operate at five. So, yeah, it's really individualised to because sometimes if you look at that uh, as a big picture, you go, oh, everyone's on fours, that's a bit crap. But if they're always on fours yeah. and that's the, you know, that that's okay, yeah, it's a pattern. It's more the trend that you need yeah. to look at than, Fantastic. And then you're actually measuring those client touches. I love that because, you know, so often we think we've spoken to clients and you get to the end of the year and you realised you haven't and then you're, you're um, you know, measuring that. Is that through a CRM system or the same the same system ever performed? Um, or do you use systems for that? No, so it's through a CRM system, but yeah. we're actually in the process of, yeah, re-looking at how we can do that in a much smoother process. We also have a, a full team meeting between all the service offerings once a week and we actually have a portion in that meeting where we talk about the holistic services that we have given and what really I guess client stories of interest like some of the different opportunities that have been transferred throughout the business um, to different service offerings so that other people are always you know it's always front of mind uh, if they're talking to a client like oh that's right that happened last week so it's really about that knowledge sharing and communication in that space as well that helps keep that. So we actually track, yeah, how many, what are the touch points across all of the service offerings? Not not just, you know, in the traditional where you're the accountant, have you spoken to them? It's more like, well, actually seven people have spoken to them in the last six weeks or something like that. Cool. And um, how long did that take to get that kind of system in? Like, was it a gradual build? Yeah, gradual build. Like um, we started probably at the start, just talking about saying we wanted to make sure these touch points happened and then we started you know tracking I guess we call it our value to the client so how many service offerings do they use and, and making sure we go well each one of those clients you know are they are we actually thinking about them across all the service offerings and and it's sort of morphed from that really and then probably over the last 18 months two years and the corona virus probably helped a little bit with this that we have a make sure you just touch base for the sake of touching base not for any reason as such just to make sure you know everything's going well and it sounds really silly but probably nine times out of ten out of that something will come out of that that the client goes actually I was going to ring you or oh, I was going to I need to talk to you about what I should do with finance or something like so you know that they know you're always there but it's just giving them that the opportunity because you're ringing them because, yeah, I mean, that's my thought. I mean, to be the in-demand accountant or accounting firm going forward it is around that collaboration and you do what your magic is and you collaborate with others to bring it forward. And it's such a challenge then to get the system in 
into the firms or in, even if you've got a smaller firm and you're specialised, that then that network. And it's really heartening to see that, and this is one of the reasons I had you on because I know that you guys have successfully started to work that through, that it is very doable, but it's a stepped out process and obviously systems. And I assume there was a bit of behavioural change you know, as well, that have to... a lot of mindset change, I suppose, around it. Like when we first started talking about it, we were like, "Oh, just ring the client for no reason." Uh, we had a lot of, but what do I say? What do I talk to them about? And I'm like, yeah. "Just ask how they're going." And you know, the like we we sort of started, I suppose, and whether we continue to do this it was like, let's go with themes, I suppose, of you know, just ring up and go, "Hey, how's it going?" Just you know, checking if you've got your wills done or something like that, just to to try and give the people, uh, the, our team members, like something if they kind of get stuck after the, how are you going, good, okay, weather's good, better go now. Like just to give something like a more a that themed approach around things to talk about. But we found over time because they're getting so used to doing it, it yeah, you, I don't know if we need the themes as such anymore. Sometimes we do just because things need to be looked at. But, yeah, I just think it becomes a bit more natural the more you do it. Okay. So just segueing onto that, to the skill sets, as you said, all the mindsets and linking back into the fact that you're um, the chair at USQ of the Student Guild. Going forward and teaching because, um, you know, yourself, you said right at the beginning your experiences and, you know, also I found, you know, mine now just under 30 years in this, how we actually get the next generation of accountants up and running without the time, if you like, the, you know, that we yeah. had through processing and, and stuff like that and that ability to develop these um, communication and high-level skills that we have through, you know, our curiosity in a way um, and also experience because I, my opinion is we don't have that, that luxury anymore and I don't think that they're really, and I, correct me if I'm wrong because you're more in the education space than I am um, with USQ, that they haven't, that we're not teaching some of the fundamental communication skills that are needed to, to go into the future and continue to be in demand. They're still teaching the technical skills, which are absolutely essential, but the communication skills that I think, you know, embrace what you were just talking about. What's your thoughts on that, you know, from a future education point of view and, and how might we meet these challenges? Yeah, like I, I agree um, with you, Sam, that there, you've got to have that technical stuff to a point. The mm -hmm. fact that it changes so often these days, it's more I think you've got to learn how to interpret and read, not learn something off by heart, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like the, I think it's actually, yeah, having that understanding around how to understand, interpret and then apply that knowledge from a practical point of view. Mm -hmm. I also think, and this, I don't know how far off this is fully, but I think it's already here in, you know, a fair level of or a fair degree. But I think if you go back 20-odd years when, say, you and I first were, you know, starting out straight out of uni and that sort of thing, you could be an accountant slash advisor slash the super knowledge person. You could probably even do a little bit of financial planning on the side if you so, because it wasn't that complex. Like you could wear a lot of different hats. And I think you and I have had this conversation, actually. I look at it and go, the legislation and everything that's going on now, if you're an, an, an accountant, like tax expert, you actually you need to know that sort of stuff. Superannuation, you know, back when I first started super, I think there was about two rules. 
so like there's a lot more now obviously so you've kind of got to have that super expert advisory it's not just something that you tack on to the side no, which i think it's become it's it has definitely become its own specialization so i kind of look at it, look at it and go how do you get the students through uni and into the workplace because i agree it'll happen faster because it, in, than what we used to do because you know we'd spend the first however many years processing and reconciling all the things that are done automatically where you've kind of learnt and honed some of those skills I think there'll be a basic level of knowledge and then you'll sort of choose which area whether it's tax super financial planning you know advisory which area of interest fits with you and I think there that that's when the skill sets really need to come into play because I still I think there's different different people will fit into those different um, areas and I think the universities are bringing out, a lot of the universities now are bringing out those micro credentials that they call mm -hmm. them, little, little micro courses that you can do around, you know, communication or so a lot around, I guess, what I classify as the softer skills, the things that we need, not so much that technical. And you can stack them together and, you know, over time you might get another diploma or a bachelor or whatever it might be, but it's that ongoing I guess, softer skills training that I think you, you kind of can get now from the universities that will help. But how you fast track that to a point, I think you'll only do that once you can actually break it down because you can't be the, the generalist like we used to be going forward. That's my theory anyway. Yeah, I mean... My opinion, as you know, is that yeah, the generalist can't, the generalist advisor can't. But sitting over the top of that is yeah, the staff can, person yeah. who might fit in this category, who can uh, communicate, find out what's important to the client, and then connect them then with the Correct. right, which is what you do so well. And that in itself is a um, you know skills person. Dare I use the word? It's more of also a sales and education role for the client as well, okay. and exploration. Yeah. Curiosity. That's that BDM role. That's that, yeah, that kind of that salesy type role. And I think that when you get to that, that's the experience and you can take time to get to that. Yes, you have to take time to get that. <laughs> but yep. do you know what I mean? Like that's where people, if you try and go, I want to be that person and jump to that, that's where you, I don't think you can rush that. But I think some no. of the other stuff you can, you can morph off into different areas quicker, quicker instead of trying to learn a bit about everything. I think. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, it was interesting. I was doing a tax planning webinar yesterday, just an intro, obviously, you know, do not even ask me about tax. But when we're doing the research on the planning aspect of it, you know, I counted up. There's seven legislations now. So, mm -hmm. you know, you've got GST, superannuation, corpse, trust, two um, income tax acts, then let's put an FBT on top of that and then add seven states and territories and the three associated acts there. It is just too much. You need to be specialised. And for me, compliance advisory, I think, is such an important thing going forward and we can't dismiss it as an advisory role. And I don't mean processing. I mean, you know, I think if the last six or eight weeks have shown us anything, it's the importance of that. But that still needs to be addressed proactively and then, um, you know, bringing that into the, the suite, if you like, of that and that you know not everyone who is in the specialization areas is going to become that overarching generalist BDM as as, as we were discussing no and I don't think you need everyone to be able oh, to do that right you know like I, I often say if there was you know 10 of me running a own power time and nothing you'd done so you do need the the different people and the different personalities to fit across 
in a business and, and even as a client, you need those different personalities to help you deliver on everything because you do need different things at different times. And yeah, there's just so much in that legislative space and it changes so quickly that, and it probably, you know, I, I hate reading all the stuff where they say compliance is dead. Like compliance is whilst ever the legislation and, and like you went through all the acts and everything that Australia and the states have, compliance is never going to be dead while all of those are still in play. And it is that compliance advisory. It's putting it together and coming up with the plan and helping achieve the client's, you know, goals out of that and making sure that's all looked after along with everything else that makes it work. Because if you only look at tax, you're potentially missing out on so many other opportunities. And I think, you know, if you look at people now because of the way they've been structured or, you know, paid wages, not paid wages, they've potentially missed opportunities throughout the the COVID arena because of the way they've been structured and stuff like that. So it's kind of, I think it's swings and roundabouts and you've got to look at, if you're only looking at tax, you're definitely missing out on a lot of other areas. If you're not looking at tax and you're only looking at a lot of the other opportunity, business opportunities, you're probably in trouble as well. Like it it has to be that really holistic view because there's there's so much going on. Absolutely. And then having the skill set to bring all those different personality types who, you know, a compliance specialist is going to have a different personality than a growth or a strategic and being having having everybody have the emotional intelligence to come together and work collaboratively has been a very big challenge in my career early on and, um, you know, had to learn a lot. I had to also learn a lot. And I think, you know, that's why I was so interested to speak to you because I think you guys have also worked a lot on that and, and the, as you said, softer skills. I'm just saying yeah. I still don't and why they're called soft because if they were soft everybody would be doing it so we still need a, a better name but anyhow. we do need a better name yeah and I, so I think anyway. you know like we talk we talk about having a bit of a, a spider diagram of progression throughout the firm you know you can't have the traditional you know I was a graduate I became a senior accountant then I became a manager and now I'm a partner like that sort of progression across every part of the business can't or shouldn't, I probably should say, shouldn't happen anymore because just because you're the best technical person doesn't mean you should be in a manager role and, like, stop putting people into roles. And I guess having the expectation of the team member that they have to take on these roles if they want to progress, like, I think you've got to put that mindset in place at the start that every role in the business is just as important as the other so that there's no ego, I suppose, or self-interest overtaking the looking after the clients because if you look after the clients, the clients will look after the business. Do you know what I mean? Yep, so absolutely. I think you've really got to make sure you can take away some of that. I'm more important than you because I'm the, you know, I'm the rainmaker. So I'm more important than you as the, you're the caretaker or whatever it might be. Every single person's role is as important as the other one. And if you can get that out and across all the business and really kind of t- try and take away you're a client of the firm and, you know, all these people are there to look after you in all of these different ways, you should be able to achieve that. It's when people silo it off and go, that's my client, no one else can touch it. That's when I think you won't get that. Yeah, you you just won't get it because you're making whatever your role is more important than everyone else's. So I think it's really making sure you, you break that mindset down that just because, you know, you want to do compliance and the person sitting next to you wants to do more of the, that strategic or that advisory stuff, they're both really, really important roles and neither one is better than the other, if that makes sense. Yeah. Where, and I think 
traditionally, if you look at it over the last few years, like it's always been the the advisors uh, kind of, I guess, like back in the day, the financial planners were the, you know, the cool dudes going out to lunches and coffees and they were always paid more because they were, they were bringing the business in, if that makes sense, where I, I don't look at it that way. Like every single piece of the puzzle has got to fit together or something falls apart. So you can't have one sort of, I guess, area going well and people going well I want to go into that area because I'll progress more I'll get paid more or whatever it is you've actually got to make sure that there's an alignment across the whole business did you just say the financial planners are the cool dudes they thought they were <laughs> I never thought they were they thought they were sorry any financial planners out there I'm not being disrespectful <laughs> hey I've got I've got the license as well I'm allowed to pick on them <laughs> I know, um, you know, that was always a big struggle for us is because financial planning obviously is so important to connect personal stuff and that growth stuff as well. And, you know, trying to get, get those two groups together was always a, is and has still probably been a bit of a challenge. But, um, I, you know, I've never heard an accountant say that they're the cool dudes that go out and have coffee all the time. <laughs> Sorry. Classic. No, no. <laughs> and that's probably just, just me amusing myself. Anyhow, you know, moving on from that. That just was some great insight. Thank you so much. Um, what I'd like to end on, if that's okay, is your top three tips for accountants. Now, this this is, you know, yourself personally, you know, what you would suggest to people either from a personal growth point of view or a building those skills that we were talking about point of view, if you've got well, your Amanda's top three. Um, my top three, I think the first one is know who you are or what you want to deliver. Don't try and be everything to everybody. And like I said before, every role is important. So just work out the role that fits you best and then put good people around you. Um, I think yep. that's vitally important. It doesn't, just because, you know, every person's telling you you should be doing something different doesn't mean it's the right thing for you and it's collaboration. That's probably mm -hmm. my second point. Collaborate, collaborate, yep. collaborate. No one person can do anything and everything. So if you, you need to put, I guess, the trust in people and have really good networks and collaborate things around you and my third point and that's probably just at the moment with every well not even just always is if you don't have a plan or you don't have a strategy how do you know you're actually heading in the right direction fantastic absolutely i completely agree um with all all three of those and the things that i live by as well anyhow amanda once more thank you so much it's been such an honor talking to you for the last little while and you know very much look forward to watching watching the progress going forward. So thank you. Thanks heaps. And um, we'll catch you soon. Thanks, Sam. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. To check out more information on all things Sandine and Blueprint, go to the website blueprinthq.com.au. And remember, continue the conversation and be brave. See you next time.